Galatians 6, verse 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. There is a promise of hope there. There's a promise of faith there. And faith is going to latch hold to the promises of God. Faith does not make right its own ticket and believe God for that. Faith latches hold, lays hold on what God has spoken and believes it. And believes it's as good as done. Uh, the Lord's been putting in my heart. This is not one of these sermons, but the Lord has put in, put in my heart to do a series on faith and just however long that takes us. But uh, there's definitely the promise here that's given. Let us not be weary. Weary means to lose heart or to faint. Okay? Let us not be weary in well doing. For in due season, that means in the proper time in God's eyes and that's that's how the Lord does everything it's not in our timing it's in the Lord's timing and we need to get on his timetable and by faith to know it and to walk in it his timetable is not our timetable our timetable we now would be now for everything Lord you know now for the job now for my uh, family getting saved now for everything right now now for the sickness to end you know that would be our timing for everything but the Bible says in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And so weary, as I said, means to lose heart, to faint. Don't become weary in well-doing. The Bible says, for consider Him, that's the Lord, who endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye become weary and faint in your minds. This is a teaching that's found over and over in the Scriptures. That's Hebrews 12.3. If you're taking notes, I'm going to say it again. For consider Him who endured such contradiction. And that's putting it lightly, isn't it? You know, contradiction we almost think as a as a almost a mild-mannered kind of term. When you think about what was being uh, hurled against Jesus Christ, consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you become weary and faint in your minds. So that promise is there again. It has to be by faith. It has to be through considering him. We have to consider the Lord in everything. Consider Him. To bring Him in mind. In everything. Can I be honest with you this morning? This is what we're going to talk about. There have been many saints of God and many godly men and women over the ages and right into our time as well who have reached a point in their lives, reached a point in their walk with their Lord uh, where they were ready to quit. They were ready to quit. They were ready to stop. They were ready to give up. And what I mean by this, and when, when I'm thinking of it, it's not necessarily ready to quit on the Lord in the sense that I don't want to be a Christian anymore. I'm ready, I don't, you know, I'm abandoning the truth. I'm abandoning the Bible. Some people do that. That's apostasy. I think that's a rare thing. But I think there have been many, many godly men and women through the years, okay, who have reached a point in their life where they're ready uh, to stop. Uh, They've reached a place maybe where of fatigue. They've reached a place of despair. They've reached a place of weariness. I'm talking about in your Christianity, not just in a long day or a long week of work. Physical, tired, everybody has that. But there have been men and women of God who have reached a place of fatigue in their walk with Christ. A place maybe of despair where things seem to be getting worse instead of better. And the light at the end of the tunnel is so blurred they can't even see it anymore. And they reach a place. They don't, it's not that they no longer trust Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they don't feel that they have the energy or the strength to go on. 
they feel like they can no longer, I mean, can go on no longer. Uh, I don't believe it's a stretch to say that there are people in, in our congregation that have felt that or you may be there right now. You're not ready to abandon the faith. You still believe the death, the burial, and the resurrection and you believe the whole thing. But you right now personally are having a hard time in what God's called you to in living this life day by day. I can't keep fighting the good fight of faith. I feel like I can't fulfill the plan or call of God upon my life. Uh, it's too difficult, you know, and I'm done. I feel like I'm done. It's too much, Lord. It's too long, Lord. It's too costly, Lord. It's costing too much. We've all thought these thoughts. You may not be there now, but I can promise you godly men and women have. There have been times in our lives we have felt that way. This is not a pity party. It's a reality. There are times in our life we feel that, uh, that we can't go on. We can't go on continuing to fight the fight of faith. I'm too tired uh, I don't have the strength to do it anymore. The finish line looks like you just moved it a um, hundred miles further away. I felt like I was almost there and somebody kicked the finish line away and now it's almost out of sight. And Lord, I, I'm done. I still believe in You, but as far as fighting the good fight, getting up every day and, and, and being a prayer warrior and serving God and being a witness, and walking in the joy and the strength of admonition of the Lord, or maybe a specific ministry God's called you to. I could picture a missionary in a mission field coming to a point like this with no converts and you know uh, things like that. Oh, just just done. They feel like they're just done. There was a point, uh, and I mention this often, but there was a point in Jesus's life in his ministry where he had seventy disciples. We know that because the Bible tells us that, and. He preached this sermon about whoever doesn't, you know, drink my blood and eat my flesh. And he said the words I'll speak, their spirit in their life. He was using it metaphorically. Okay. Uh, but the, the, the 70 said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And they, it says they departed and they walked no more with Jesus. So there was definitely a specific point. We have it written in the Bible forever and ever where they said, we're done with this. I'm not saying it was because of fatigue, but they reached a point where it was too hard for them to keep walking with the Lord. And, and uh, it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And there's a period right there. So it all, you get the idea that that was their end. That's how their walk with God ended. They walked no more, no more with him. Well, what was the difference between those and the other 12, uh, they quit. They reached a point where they went no further. And it was a point of spiritual uh, endurance, I would say, of faith. Okay, no doubt. And we're talking about faith through all of this. But it was, there was a, an endurance. And the Bible says, Paul says in, the, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the last book that he wrote, he speaks of Demas. We, we ever hear Demas? We speak of Demas. What is he known for? We know him for one thing. And he was actually a, had been a co-laborer with Paul, the Apostle Paul, in the Gospel. If you read Colossians and Philippians, you'll see his name mentioned there as a co-laborer with the Lord. At that point in time, you would have, he would have just been one like, like uh, Titus or, or Timothy or Barnabas or Silas or one of these other men of God. 
And Paul referred to him such. When he gets to the last chapter of the last epistle that he wrote before Paul died, uh, was beheaded for the Lord, he says that Demas has departed, having loved this present world, and, and he's gone back. Okay? He's gone back. And it gives us a little insight, having loved this present world. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed. And so there was something in Demas's life as well. Maybe he was offended. I'm just saying, maybe when his, his co-laborer and, and mentor, Apostle Paul, went through such trials and tribulations and was arrested. And he said, I don't want this. The Bible talks about that in the parable of the seed and the sower. By and by, when uh, the people are offended because of the word's sake, or a tribulation that arises because of the testimony of Christ, or His Word, and you stand it upon it, and all of a sudden you face some difficulty you hadn't counted on or planned on. Aren't you glad that the Bible tells us that so we're not surprised when it comes? But Demas departed. And I want to look at a couple more. We're going to look at a few more examples in the Bible. And Elijah is one of my favorite people in the Bible. But it says, and I'll just read this from 1 Kings 19, verse 4. This is after the Lord had used him to call down fire from heaven and challenged the whole nation. It was an amazing scene when after this, uh, this strain from the Lord and this idolatry and the people uh, backsliding so far away and, and they're all called together at this one meeting, this one meeting, this one moment in time where their God fails to send the, the God of Baal you know, does not send the fire. He fails because he's no God at all. This one man, he doesn't have an entourage like 850 prophets and priests in all their garments. He's, he's a one man, a prophet. And he says, Lord, I'm doing this at your command. And his God sends fire. And the Lord uses it uh, as a purging. They killed all those false prophets of Baal. Uh, the, the, the drought ended. And, but Jezebel, the queen, who was the leader of all this band of Baal worshipers, uh, she puts a bounty on his head, basically. You're going to be dead like those prophets this, by this time tomorrow, Elijah. He gets wind of it. He flees. He takes his servant, leaves him in, in a city and goes on a little further. And it says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. But this to me is more along the lines of what we're talking about. Weary and well-doing. Keep in mind what we're talking about. He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. He didn't curse God. He, said, he didn't say, I don't believe you anymore. He didn't say all this about Jehovah and you, know, you being God and creator and all. you're the one true living God. He didn't forsake all of that. He just said, just kill me, God. Just let me die. He says, it is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I'm no better than my father's. What do you think he was experiencing in that time? Can you relate to it at all in your own life? I don't have, think, I, uh, praise God, that, that we've come to a place where we're ready to reject Christ. But we've come to a place where we've said, I'm done. Get somebody else to do this ministry. Uh, I'm tired of, of being this intercessor. Nobody even knows I do it. And I pray morning, noon, and night for our nation or for our lost loved ones. I'm worn out. I'm tired. Get somebody else to do it, Lord, for a while. i got enough problems of my own. You know, we, feel, we can feel this way. This is what um, I believe 
Elijah and others have experienced. The Bible speaks, though, at the same time of the faithfulness of God to sustain us in those times. And we have to know that. The Bible speaks in the midst of our weakness, in the midst of our uh, ineptness and our inadequacies and our despair that God is able to strengthen us. The Spirit of God comforts us. The power of God strengthens us and enables us to go on way, way beyond what we ever thought we could go to. And I don't know, I'm a sports fan. I talk to you sports analogies all the time. But has everybody heard of Vince Lombardi? Okay. You heard the name, if nothing else. Famous NFL football coach, I guess back in the 60s maybe. And uh, he coached the Green Bay Packers and they won many, uh, you know, world championships and so forth. There's a little line I've heard a quote from him. I think my coach might have used to give it to our football team. And it was this, fatigue makes cowards of us all. And so he wanted his players to be in the best shape of anybody because when it came down to crunch time, at the end of the game, if somebody had to step up and make whatever play to win a game, I know it seems very dramatic for sports, but at the same time, I agree with them because I played sports. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. And when I can remember running in football so much that I really wanted to quit. I mean, like right here, if the coach gets us to run one more sprint, I, don't, I honestly don't think I can do it. It's not that I'm... I hate football or anything like that. I don't literally think I can run another one. And, you know, and, and that saying always stuck with me. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. But the Lord comes along and strengthens us. And He puts wind in our sails, so to speak. And some fresh wind in our back. And He says, come on, I got you. It's going to be okay. You know, it's not your strength, but mine. Anyway, you got your eyes off of me. That's what happened. You got your eyes off of me. I pushed you or led you or you walked to a place in me further, deeper, harder, longer than you had been before. And you didn't think you could make it any further. But I'm going to carry you. It's been me that's carrying you the whole time. But this principle or this thought about perseverance and endurance is a life principle. Amen? And it is definitely a biblical principle. It's taught throughout the Word of God. And it speaks of the faithfulness of God. So we're instructed in the Word of God to persevere. We hear that word. Uh, to persevere. I'll just give a few examples. In James chapter 1, um, James says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. There's, a, there's a, this a thought and idea for all of us that we're not just to start this thing and not finish. We're to start it and to finish it. We look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We'll run the race, guess what, as long as He wants us to. And as hard as He wants to make it, He'll never leave us or forsake us, and He'll uphold us. But that is still taught through the Bible. You don't start this thing like the 70 disciples and not finish. We start it, and we feel like we can't finish in our lives, but He's always going to give us the grace and the strength to finish that. Jesus said in John chapter 8, I believe verse 33, He's preaching and teaching. And it says, As He spoke these words, many believed upon Him. It's the same word of belief that's used in other places of saving faith and so forth. It says, As He spoke these words, many believed upon Him. Then said Jesus to those Jews 
that believed upon him. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you continue in my word. That's a teaching throughout the Bible. You'll find it always. Jesus spoke this parable to the intent in Luke 18, 1, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. That means we don't just pray sometimes. We don't just pray the prayer meetings. We don't just pray when we have a big exam coming up. We pray. We live a life of prayer. He spoke this to the intent that men ought always to pray and not to faint. One more scripture I'm going to read real quickly. Ephesians 6.18 Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Again, we could pick a hundred more scriptures probably that talk about endurance, perseverance, continuing on, pressing on, don't quit. That kind of idea that's taught in the scriptures. But I want to give a definition of perseverance here. I think it's very important and telling. And that scripture we just read about uh, perseverance in our prayer life. It means persistency. It means to, to move toward or forward. You know what that means? You keep plugging on. You picture a soldier that's worn out, but they got to get from here to there. And there's just the only way they're going to get there is to get there. You know what I'm saying? They just have to keep going. Well, I'm tired and my, my boots are worn out and my, my, my toes are sticking through the end of my boots here or whatever, or my hands are frostbitten, whatever. They have to, the only way I'm going to get from here to there is to get there. I have to keep taking another step. I have to keep going and, and pressing on to do that. And like inspiration for soldiers, certainly the Lord helps soldiers. But, I mean, they could be thinking about their family. They could be thinking about their country, their wife, their children, something. And it keeps them moving on. But it's continue to move forward. This is still our definition. <coughs> towards continually, I mean, constantly diligent. It's a long definition. To adhere closely to a person. This is actually one of the definitions of perseverance. To adhere, I mean, stick closely to a person. So think about the 70 disciples when they said, Lord, this is a hard saying. And they, they stopped walking with the Lord. And the Jesus turns to the 12. And we know that famous scene. And He says, will you go away also? Lord, to whom will we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we're sure that You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. We're sure of it. That's where faith comes in. Whom will we go? What is He doing? He's adhering closely to a person. He's sticking closely to a person. This is still the definition. To continue to walk on, to be strong, steadfast, to endure. There's a very similar Scripture in 2 Thessalonians 3.13. But ye brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And so, this, this message is for believers. This message is not telling a lost person how to be saved. It's telling a saved person or an Old Testament saint or a saved person how to keep walking with the Lord and not give up in the calling or the life or the race that the Lord has set before us. It's not saying don't abandon the truth. Of course, we're not to abandon the truth and God helps us there as well. I want to look at two examples. I'm going to turn and read. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ruth chapter 1. If you haven't read or spent much time in the book of Ruth, it's just a few chapters. It's a wonderful story an account, an important, very important account that's given in the Bible about Ruth. 
And so we know the story. Just very quickly, I'll give it. But uh, Naomi and her husband uh, had left Bethlehem, Judah, and they because there was a famine in the land. They heard there was bread in Moab, so they go over there. And while they're there, their two sons find wives of the Moabite women. Ruth was one, and uh, Orpah was the other one. So then the, the husband dies, Naomi's husband dies, and their, her two sons die. So it's the mother-in-law and her two daughter-in-laws that are left. And they heard there's food. We got, I heard the famine's over. There's food back home, back in Israel. So they're going to go back there, and that's where we're picking up. And she says, just go back to your, your home. i got nothing. I'm a poor, broke old lady. You know, just go back to your home. Start your life over there. Verse 8, Naomi said unto her, two daughters-in-law, go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt kindly with the dead and with me. Alright, skip down to verse 10. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. So both daughter-in-law say, No, we're, we're going to go with you. We love you. I believe they did. We love you. We're sticking with you. We're going to go home with you to your people. Alright, skip down to verse 12. Turn again, my daughters, go your way. For I'm too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, you know, would you wait until my children grew up and remarry them? No, this is ridiculous. Y'all go home. That's what she's saying. All right, verse 14. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. So both daughter-in-laws weep. And then let's keep reading. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but, and then she returned home. But Ruth clave unto her and said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. So we're learning more about it. She went back to her gods as well. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do, also, do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And wow, that's a little different. That was something somebody really... This was not just saying, no, I think I'm going to go with you. Or picking going home, I'd rather stay with you. You see more than that in these words that she's saying, right? No, nothing but death's going to separate me from you. And where you die, I'm going to die. Where you go, I'm going to go. Where you live, I'm going to live. And your God is going to be my God. I'm sticking with you. Well, Ruth, I mean, Naomi didn't say another word to her because she, she, she could tell she's steadfast about this. And she stuck with her. Well, what's, what's the point of all that? What's the, the good that came from that? Well, first of all, her God did become her God. And if you re- have read the end of the story, Ruth goes back. There's a kinsman redeemer, and after the, the 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 laws of the Israelites, she was taken in to be the wife of Boaz, who was a near kinsman to Naomi. Well, guess what? They have a son one day named uh, Obed, and Obed has a son named Jesse, and Jesse has a son named David, and Ruth gets to be in that. Part of that, and that it, God made an eternal covenant with David, eternal covenant, and Jesus Christ came from that line of David, 
She clave to her mother-in-law. There was a persistence there. I'm sure it was not easy. She did not know what it was going to be like and going back. And she didn't go back and find one of the younger men, you know, to be her husband. She, God did it all and orchestrated it all. I want to look at another example of Abraham. Turn to Genesis, Genesis chapter 15. There's a lot of things about Abraham's life that would teach, uh, exemplify, I guess, this same lesson of persistency and perseverance. By this time, what we're reading, God has already made the covenant with Abraham. That you're going to have, uh, that you're going to be the father of many nations. Through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Your seed is going to be as the stars of the heaven, innumerable, as the sand, sand of the seashore, innumerable. He still didn't have a son, though. Okay? And he, when he promise was made, he was, uh, he was already old. He was 75. His wife was 65. She was barren. And now he's restating the promise again at a later time. So I want you to read with me uh, Genesis 15. And let's read verses 5 and 6 right now. And he brought him forth. The Lord, the Lord brings him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. And he believed the Lord, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And then let's skip down to verse 9. I mean, verse 8. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? So he's wanting to know, okay, you promised it. And this is at least the second time he's promised it to him. And I still don't have a son. What are you going to give me as like this assurance that I know I'm really going to have it? It's really going to be like you said. And he said unto him, Take a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece, one against another, but the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horror and a great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs. And so, uh, while he's sleeping, he, he, uh, the Lord appears to him, a deep sleep's upon him. In verse 17, And it came to pass that when the sun went down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. It's, a, it's almost it's a peculiar kind of picture, but I get, I've pictured this as the endurance of Abram in this moment. Because he's already been promised the promise, but nothing circumstantially has changed. He still doesn't have the first son, much less a big family that's on its way. Okay? Got some grandchildren running around. It was nothing. He still had no son at the time God made this promise. And specifically, he asked, Lord, how do I know it's going to be like you said it's going to be? It says he believed God and God counted it for righteousness, right? So he had the faith to believe and yet still he's saying, Lord, can you give me some kind of assurance of it? And God's answer for the assurance was, I want you to prepare this specific offering, this burnt sacrifice, prepare it. And he, had, he didn't light it on fire. He prepared the offering. And, and when it was time for the sacrifice, these birds come diving down, probably vultures or something. And they're diving down. And he doesn't just say, oh, well, I'm an old man. I'm tired. He fights them away. I just picture some real effort on his part. 
some strength on his part. And you picture him out there saying, not on your life. Not on your life are you taking this from me. This is what God promised me. You're not taking it. And he's driving them away. See, there's got to be some persistence on our part. God gives us the strength, but the, the fouls, and I might be taking a step, but I know in the New Testament, in the parable of the seed and the sower, it represents Satan when the seed is sowed. And the, the birds of the air come and devoured it real quick before it could take root, and that represented the enemy. And I just picture that here as being God made Abraham a covenant. And in Abraham's mind, saying, you're going to get this over my dead body. Because I'm not giving up on what God has promised me. And, and he fought him away. And there had to be some perseverance. He's an old man. Still nothing to show for the promise. But that sacrifice represented what God was going to give him. You see? How do I know I'm going to get it, God? Will you pre-? God says, here's my answer. Prepare this sacrifice for me. And after he fought the birds off, God causes his deep sleep to come upon him and this fire. This, it's, it's a strange picture. It says, came to pass when, he, when, he was, when the sun went down, it was dark, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between the pieces. I think that represented God's acceptance of the offering. Fire can represent God's acceptance of what's offered to him. And so uh, there was perseverance. And it has to be, y'all, if you and I are going to persevere in Christ in the things that God has promised us, shown us, or is promising us in His Word, and we're going to keep going, we have to esteem God as being worth it. Kind of like our Sunday school class this morning a little bit. And we have to esteem the promises of God as being worth it. If, if I was a soldier and, you know, picturing those, I've seen the movies Back to Bataan and some of these old World War II movies where they're the, early in the Pacific, World War II, where the, in the Pacific Islands against the Japanese and literally we got defeated in some battles early. We weren't prepared. And those soldiers had to make this death march. And, you know, it just, it's like what keeps a person going on? They have to think that what's, at the end is worth it. If I don't think it's worth it, or it's not going to be there when I show up, then we would quickly lose up all, all hope and say, just shoot me now. Why well, go through all this and get there? And it's not going to be as good as I thought. Not, it's not going to be what I thought. There's not a reward waiting down there. What it was, Abraham thought it was. Abraham believed God and it was counted for righteousness. God was worth it. The promise of being a father by the Lord to him of many nations and through him all the nations of the earth will be blessed and I'll bless them that bless you Abraham and I'll curse them that curse you and you will be a blessing. That to him was worth it. So he says, okay, I'm going to fight off these birds because God told me to prepare a sacrifice for him. It's not for dinner for these birds. Okay? And he beats away the, uh, the birds. He drove them away and God accepted the offering. Abraham did end up receiving Isaac and a nation did come through him and nations came through him and Christ was born through that and all nations of the earth are blessed through the seed of Abraham because of Jesus Christ coming through that line. It was fulfilled. But you and I have to esteem it as being worth it. If I'm going to persevere and not quit, then I have this to be a reality to me. The Lord has to be real and He has to be worth it to me. 
So I would encourage you and me both to make Jesus worth it to you. Meditate on Him. Spend your time with Him. Grow in Him to where He is your delight. And, and He'll be more than worth it. The Bible says, who against hope, this is in Romans 4.18, speaking of Abram, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. He believed. And it was worth it to him. And we have to believe and it has to be worth it to, him, to us. We have to, as I said in the beginning, consider Him. Consider Christ. Lest you become weary and faint in your minds. You is you and me. As every single human being. Consider Christ human beings, church, okay, lest you become weary and faint in your minds. And so we have to pray. And when we, when we pray, we need to be honest with the Lord about the condition of our heart because uh, God will give us the strength, but we have to be honest with the Lord. And, and when we do that, we have to go before the Lord and say, God, you made me this promise. I don't know if it's going to happen. I know it is, but I feel like it's not. You know what I mean? We have to be honest with the Lord about our doubts. We have to be honest with the Lord so He can strengthen our faith. Forgive me for doubting, but Lord, if You ask me right now, a thousand percent, do I believe it? I'm not sure. I know You promised it to me. I believe You, God. Against hope, He believed hope. Can You give me some kind of reassurance, God? Can You come and give me uh, and reassure me? And can I tell you that every time He will, He will. But we get to these places in our lives, maybe not every day, maybe it's once in your life, but I believe we get to places where we seriously question, I'm about ready to quit. I don't know that I can go on anymore. We don't want to lose heart and faint and become weary. Lord, I'm tired. I feel like quitting. I'm having a hard time believing you. All the circumstances are contrary to what you promised me. It's just the opposite of what you promised me, Lord. And I feel like chucking in the towel right now. And God's going to... Would you, would you make yourself real to me? I pray that all the time. Lord, would you make yourself more real to me? I know you're real. I'm not walking away. I'm not going to be like the 70 disciples that, that leave you. But I need a reality of God in my life right now. There are times like that in my ministry. In my, I can remember, not every day, but sometimes where the Lord, where I've been like that and I had to be honest with the Lord like that and kind of like Abraham, lay a hold until I get it. So it's that touch from the Lord or that assurance from the Lord. Lord, put, please put Your strength in me. I don't just want to be a little stronger. I need You, Your strength in my life to help me. Our circumstances, our physical limitations, our exhaustion, the world around us, the spiritual darkness around us can all cloud our view of the Lord. And now we're not seeing Him clearly. It doesn't seem worth it. And God doesn't seem big enough. The circumstances seem bigger than God. We need to get our eyes back on the Lord. In prayer, in the Word of God, praying, fasting, okay? Whatever it takes in those things to get back to the Lord to where He's magnified. He's back on the throne. He's back in His proper place in my estimation, in my view. Okay? And He's worth it. And I've got the strength of, like the Grinch who stole Christmas, He's got the strength of a thousand men, right? At the end, He pushed that sled back, back up the hill. Uh, 
his heart changed, right? In the, in the little cartoon, anyway. Uh, God will surely be our strength for all of our days. For the length of all of our days. He will surely uphold us. He will surely carry us. And he's going to carry us to the glorious end that he has for us. We're talking about perseverance. By faith, I need to know that. He's going to get me there. He's testing me. He's trying me. He's growing me. He's pushing me like a coach beyond what I've ever done before. This is new. This is a new territory in my physical fitness or, or whatever it may be. And he's pushing me beyond it. But He is going to get us there. He is going to get us there. I want to go give a couple of Scriptures. Uh, in Jude 24 and 25, Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling. We ought to underline that. Amen? Well, I know we know the Scripture. He is the one who is able to keep us from falling. And to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Another wonderful scripture. And you can look at this in Isaiah. You know it. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. He giveth power to the faint. Well, that's what we're talking about. You know, we were talking about Elijah earlier, how he, after this great victory and the fire comes down and all the prophets of Baal are killed, and he says, the God of heaven is the real God. And then he gets this death threat and he's scared. The Lord finds him. He knew where he was. Sleeping under the juniper tree by himself wanting to die. And an angel taps him on the shoulder. I know if you share the story, you know it. And he wakes up and there's a, a cake of bread that's prepared for him. And the cruise of water. And he eats the bread and drinks the water and falls asleep again. Angel taps him a second time. When he wakes up, same thing. There's bread and water. He eats it and drinks it. And it says, and he went in the strength of that. God sent him to a certain mountain. And he went in the strength of that meat 40 days. He went in the strength that God gave him out there in that moment of desperation. God came to him. And the strength that he gave him in that moment was enough to go 40 days and nights on that. Okay? Um, and the Lord gave him his new marching orders and, and met with him and spoke to him when he got there. But uh, in Isaiah, it says, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. That's young people with all kind of energy. I watch your kids run in there. I said, man, I wish I had that kind of energy. Okay, they're bouncing off the walls. Well, even the youth, it says, grow weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So where does the strength come from? I'm not telling you buck up and do better. I'm, I'm telling all of us, there are times in our lives we get weary. It's not a pity party. I'm talking about real times in your life when you're struggling, going on in the Lord. Taking new ground. Fulfilling the call, the ministry that He's called you to. And... Uh, we're tempted to quit. Just like Elijah. Lord, it's enough. Don't you just take my life. Just take me to heaven now. All this will be over with. But God wasn't ready to take the man to heaven. He had three more big jobs for him. If you read in, in, the, in, uh, in, in 1 Kings, you'll see it. But same for us. And so God wants us to go on. And the strength comes from Him. It's not buck up and do better. It's call upon the Lord and know that He's going to carry you through. He gives us His day our daily bread. He gives me what I need today. 
And that means I'll need to call upon Him tomorrow. Because I'll need daily bread tomorrow. There was a slogan, Josh, you might have seen it in the Parkview locker room because I go in there every Wednesday to teach Bible study. And there's a slogan written up on the little dry erase board. It says, you don't quit when you're tired, you quit when you're done. I said, I like that. You don't quit when you're tired, you quit when you're done. And uh, I thought that really applied to this. I remember, and I've shared it, remodeling a house, and I wanted to quit when I was tired. But the Lord helped me finish when I was done. Amen? And I remember uh, Clendenin's uh, sermon, Soldiers, where he talks about, uh, towards the end of that, where we know his life, fighting as a Marine in Guadalcanal and some of the roughest conditions and battles that were fought in that war, uh, just to survive. He said they had to take food off the dead Japanese that they had killed and eat it. He said they ate stuff that you wouldn't feed to your animals just to survive uh, over there. And, uh, but he said when, he, when he, his time was over and he was coming back on that ship through the Golden Gate Bridge and uh, he you know, got his uniform, getting as nice as he could get it to look good. And there was, a, I forgot, Peter knows how many piece, maybe man, thousand piece Navy band that struck up when he got there. He said when he heard, he said, I'll do it all again. I'll do it all again. It was worth it. It was worth it all. And he's relating that to walking with the Lord. Whatever he calls us to in this life, it's not too much. It's a drop in the bucket when it comes to time. Uh, he said, so go back and uh, clean down. Go fight it all again. It's worth it. Well, it has to be worth it to you to say that. It was to him in that moment when he got back from fighting in World War II. And heaven has to be that way for us. We don't quit when we're tired. We quit when we're done. We quit when we're finished. And the Lord determines that. And however long that is, even if it's way longer than you thought you could make it, God will give the strength for you to finish it. And me the strength to finish it. Now I'm going to close with this. We're, we're tempted to quit when we're exhausted. We're tempted to quit when... Uh, seems all hope is gone. We're tempted to quit when we look at our own weakness and inability. We're tempted to quit when it seems like the way of God is not prospering and everybody else that doesn't know God is getting along better than we are. We're tempted to quit at those times. Our eyes have to be on the Lord. Paul, uh, the author of Hebrews says, but we are not of them who draw back under perdition, that means a falling away, but are of them that believe to the saving of the soul. There's always something forward with the Lord. Don't ever forget it. This is not all that there is. With the Lord, there's always something forward. Always. We keep reaching forward. Paul said, I'm pressing forth. Reaching forth for what lies ahead. For the power of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You can come. But it says in 2 Corinthians 4.1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We're not of those that draw back to perdition. We have received mercy and we faint not. We do it by considering Him, lest we become weary and faint in our minds. If I look at myself and say, I'm doing pretty good, I'll get weak pretty soon because I'm not doing really good. But if I consider Him, He's always doing good. Okay? He's not worried about it. He's not stressed about it at all. He's not weak. He's not... Uh, and He wants to, to be the strength of our lives. And so He's going to begin to sing and worship y'all. And I just want to, I'm just going to quit right there. That, that we would not become weary and faint in our minds. 
that we would not become weary in well-doing. The strength has to come from the Lord. It's, it's the Lord Himself. He'll, he'll put that wind in our sails, I promise you. You're feeling like, uh, you know, I need that, and I haven't had that in a long time. Maybe you need a personal revival in your life. And even, even since in the life of our church, you know, since you've been coming, uh, things have waned somewhat in your fire for the Lord. And you look at your prayer life and it's not what it once was. And God wants to strengthen us. If you become weary in praying for our country, or you become weary in praying for your children or your family, and saying, what, what's the point? You know, nothing's happening. My prayers are not being answered. Nothing's... God will give us the strength. They need to get our eyes back on Him. Because His Word says that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And He gives strength, strength to the weak. He said in Isaiah, the young men fall and fail, but they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And it wasn't a really a long message this morning, but I want us to take just a few minutes, take this time to worship the Lord. And as I said, it's important that we're honest with God. It really is. If we say, I don't know that it is worth it. I know it is. I know technically it's worth it. The Bible tells me it's worth it to live for God. And I believe it somewhere deep down. I know I believe that. But right now I'm having a hard time believing it's really worth it to live for God. I'm having a hard time. I know it's true. But I need you to help me, God. I'm having a hard time believing it's going to be as you said. It's going to turn out like you said, God. And so we go to the Lord. We're honest with Him in prayer. Elijah said, Lord, just let me die. I'm no better than my fathers that lived before me. And the Lord said, no, you're not going to die right now. You die when I call you home. Until then, you can live for God. And I'll give you the strength. And guess what He did? Supernaturally, that moment, uh, He strengthened Him. He'll do that for us. Y'all find a place to pray before we just rush out of here today. Find your place to meet with God. And Father, we come before You. And Lord, I'm the first in line when it comes to this sermon. I'm the first one standing in line with my hands held out saying, I need something from You, Lord. I need from You, God. And we as a people need from You. And and again, it's not a pity party like poor old us. We're so blessed. We're tremendously blessed people. But Lord, there are times in our lives where we, we feel weak and inadequate. The finish line is so far, it's blurred and we can't even see it. And God, I pray that You would touch us like You did Elijah. We would go in the strength of that meat that You gave, that heavenly meat that You provided Him with. That like Abraham, we would see it as being worth it. You're worth it, God. Your call upon my life is worth it. The blessings and rewards You promised to the godly man are worth it. And I'm going to keep living for you, but you're going to have to strengthen me. Like Ruth saying, your God's going to be my God. We're going to go on with you, Lord. Like Moses who esteemed the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. He esteemed it by faith. He saw it. He saw heaven and heaven's rewards and the Lord of heaven. And he compared that to Pharaoh and the treasures of Egypt. And he said, there's no comparison. I want God. We have to see You in that way. So Lord, would You reveal Yourself to us in such a way that You're more than worth it. I know that You are. But would You help us today? Would You strengthen Your people that are downcast or downtrodden or just exhausted? And 
cause us to go on, go on and go on with a great joy and hope and expectancy and great strength and vigor, God, like we haven't had even before now, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you, God.